Hi, this is Richard Watts, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts, a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews and interviews about the arts. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. My first guest joins us on the line this morning. Stacey Piper is a Wurundjeri and Jaja Warung woman who's also the First Peoples Curator for Lawingwa at Tarawara Art Gallery and a member of the Jiri Cultural Group whose dancing you may have seen at the Share the Spirit Festival and other events around Victoria. She joins us on the line to talk about the Tall Trees Festival, which was hap- is happening this Sunday, uh, sorry, on Sunday, the 23rd of August uh, from 11am until 7pm. It's uh, an event which is bringing together the voices of First Nations people, scientists, campaigners, musicians, artists and more to talk about the significance of Victoria's native forests. Stacey, it's an unfortunate fact that this event actually needs to happen because these forests are still under direct threat from logging, despite the fact that they're clearly culturally and environmentally significant forests. Absolutely. Um, I think it's, you know, on the one hand, it's a great thing that we're coming together and these um, important voices across all groups um, in terms of First Nations, non-First Nations, but also the science and environment sectors. Um, It's great that we're actually able to come together to um, collaborate and put our voices forward collectively. But, yeah, it's just a shame that we still need to... um, Well, we have to do it so because we've been working in this space for a few years now trying to reason with Vic Forest and the state government and, you know, um, stress the fact that this is such a critical and rich place in Victoria and it's so vital to our fresh water, our fresh air, but also to the planet. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a no-brainer, really. Now, I mean, from uh, an environmental perspective, for example, we're talking about old-growth forest in which which provides a rare habitat. For example, in the the uh, old trees, then provide spaces for nesting for for birds, for other forms of wildlife, for example. So, as you say, there's also the the issue of uh, fresh water supply. Uh, for kind of a variety of areas, not just Melbourne, but there's also a cultural significance to the forest. Can you speak to that a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, our first and foremost uh, for us as First Nations sovereign people, our cultural obligation or responsibility is to care for country, uh, including the land and water. So, for us, it's um, it's and you know not only a responsibility, but it's our right to do that. And being blocked from preserving our cultural values and from protecting our totems and being able to access our country, our beautiful country, it's part of our well-being. Um, yeah, it's, it just goes against everything we're made up of. <laughs> it goes against our, our value system. Now, I understand that there are currently five active court cases against Vic Forests, one of which is uh, being kind of fought by the Warburton Environment Group who are behind the Tall Trees Festival. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about the the coalition that's come together because it strikes me that this is a really significant, significant gathering of voices, the fact that it's First Nations voices, environmentalists, scientists, people from the, the, the Warburton community coming together collectively to say we will not stand to see these native forests logged? Yes, yeah, so um, the, the court cases um, 
Yeah, there's five active, as you said, and um, one of them being the Warburton Environment case, um, um, which we're raising funds for. Um, and there's also another, you know, a watch. Uh, it's the Central Highlands, the watch group, basically. They're um, in court at the moment trying to protect the lead beater's possum. Um, so, you know, there's lots of, um, yeah, lots of factors in regards to protecting this country. We've got endangered totems. I mean, from for me, talking from a legal perspective, it's difficult because I always think from a cultural perspective, but it does come together and, yeah, it sort of complements each other. So bringing the voices together and prioritising First Nations voices is really important. And I think that's what's come about through the work we've been doing with the groups across the last few years. You know, we've been working closely with David Lindenmeyer, who will be speaking at the Tall Trees Festival. He's a respected scientist and professor at the Australian National University. He's also one of the top researchers in the world. Um, so when he comes to us telling us that he's been working in this central Highland space for over 40 years and he's gravely concerned um, and feeling guilt even himself for the, the work that he'd been doing in previous years um, um, without realising that First Nations voices need to be prioritised. So that's something that, um, you know, is happening more and more, which is you know, really great. It's great for groups to be, um, you know, we've got a lot of things that we're fighting, <laughs> I think, um, in society. You know, we've got a lot of um, really scary rates um, going on in our community. We've got very vulnerable community. And so everything's urgent. And so with the bush country, which I like to refer to it as opposed to the forest, um, is, you know, but it's great to have that support and these allies to help us, um, you know, raise our voices even further. Now, because of COVID-19, it's not possible to have um, a physical festival, a physical gathering and protest to highlight this issue and to raise funds for the court case. But this Sunday, the 23rd of August, from 11am until 7pm, uh, happening on Facebook, the... Uh, the Tall Trees Festival will be bringing together a range of the voices that we've talked about, including uh, your group, the Jury Jury Dancers, as well as um, uh, uh, Yori Yori musician, composer and filmmaker Alara, uh, the, the band Combat Wombat and many more. Um, talk to us just a little bit about what uh, the, the festival will be like. It's one of the remarkable things about it from my perspective, for example, is that uh, instead of having to travel physically somewhere to participate we can all if we have internet access watch it from our own homes even on our own phones uh, and kind of dip in and out as the day progresses rather than perhaps commit the entire time but it sounds like it's going to be a really kind of diverse and a really powerful group of voices performers activists and speakers gathered together absolutely i think it's this COVID situation which is you know, obviously devastating for many. and um, But I think having this online platform... Sorry, my five-year-old just likes to talk when I've got important phone calls. <laughs> it's OK. But this... basically, it's pushed our boundaries. It's helped us push to communicate in different ways. And having this online and coming to people's lounge rooms or computers, um, it's, um, you know, created a more accessibility, I guess, to a wider audience. Um, so, look, you know, having a... Basically, the point I wanted to make about this, when we were having it on country, it would have been better because, you know, having people connect to a space reminds everyone that we are all 
intrinsically connected to nature. We have an unfavourable connection with nature, every single one of us, non, non-Indigenous non and Indigenous. So, you know, we need to re-establish that connection and make sure that we are all feeling that sense of well-being and that sense of responsibility to care for it. And um, an event like this, you know, I think it will bring that together. It, it brings voices in different mediums. You've got music, you've got poetry, you have speakers. And, yeah, I just think it's going to be a really great way to integrate information and, um, and enjoy the event as well. For more information about the Tall Trees Festival, which is happening this Sunday, the 23rd of August, from 11am until 7pm, jump onto Facebook and just search for Tall Trees Festival. Uh, uh, I won't give the full Facebook event URL because there's about, I don't know, a dozen numbers and it could be tricky for people to write them all down. But, yes, uh, either check out the Warburton Environment Group or jump onto Facebook and search for the Tall Trees Festival. It's happening this Sunday, the 23rd, from 11 a.m. until 7 p.m. and is uh, focused on the campaign to end uh, native logging uh, being kind of mounted by the Warburton Environment Group against Vic Forests, one of five active cases against the logging company to try and stop them logging uh, kind of uh, native and old growth forests here in Victoria. I've been speaking with Stacey Piper who will be speaking at the festival on Sunday. Stacey, thank you so much for joining us here at Triple R. Thank you, Richard. Have a great day. Normally on the program, because we're based in Melbourne, we focus on arts events here in Melbourne or in Victoria more broadly, but it's always nice to be able to cast an eye further afield. And while Melburnians may not be able to travel interstate at the moment to attend events such as the Cairns Indigenous Arts Fair, then, well, you can actually see some of the work at the fair online. I'm joined by Janina Harding, the Cairns Indigenous Arts Fair's Artistic Director. Janina, a very good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Richard. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, like many arts events and festivals and organisations around the country, uh, the the art fair has had to adapt to the current circumstances of COVID-19. What kind of challenges did you face in adapting the fair program for online exhibition, for example, given that a big part of any art fair is directly supporting artists through the sales of their work? Yeah, well, it's been quite a journey um, since COVID-19 came into place in March and we kind of, um, we had to go ahead and do something to support our artists. So we decided to go um, and set up a a digital platform, um, which is our 2020.kayak.com.au platform and anyone can, um, in Melbourne, in Victoria, can um, arrive around Australia and around the world can um, have a look at what we're doing. So basically the program is a mirror of what we would do in the physical sense, the physical kayak. So it has all that culture um, and the art. Um, people can still buy art through our virtual galleries, our e-commerce shop. Um, you'll see lots of dancing, people just talking about um, their art, their art practice, um, talking about culture, um, and just basically hearing, you know, um, first people's voices from Queensland talking about all sorts of things, including COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
One of the things that is obviously really significant about the Cairns Indigenous Arts Fair is that it provides not just a snapshot, but this kind of broad and deep overview of the, I guess, the breadth and the variety of cultural practice by First Nations people in Queensland. Uh, it must be a bit of a challenge to try to do justice to so many different kind of groups of people, so many different forms of artistic expression under the banner of one art fair. Yeah, um, I don't see it as a challenge because there's so much talent, um, you know, around the around the place in our communities and um, just even here in Cairns itself. Um, but right across Queensland, you know, we, we feature artists um, in the art fair. Um, so I, I don't really see it a challenge. Um, the way we've done it this year is that we've gone out to communities and asked how they would want to want to express themselves. So they've actually made their own content, their own videos. So you can you can um, you get to see that on the, on the, on the uh, online platform. Now, and speaking of the fact that kind of people in communities have made their own videos, I'm really yeah. intrigued to know uh, about how that has benefited some of those communities. For, for example, kind of the, the young people who are used to Facebook, is, has it presented an opportunity for them to develop closer bonds with their elders by saying, let us help you present your work online? We know how online platforms work, but you know how to make art. Have we seen that kind of collaboration? between generations, for example? Well, I, think, I think that's happened when they're actually viewing the content on the, you know, on our um, online platform. But, they're, you know, they're, they're, um, most of our kids have got phones, so, you know, and they're, and they're Facebook addicts, you know, <laughs> um, Instagram addicts. So they're always, you know, using their phone just like any other kid right across the world would be doing it if they had a phone. Um, so that's not a problem, and it's really good that they, you know, during this, this, this time of uncertainty and whatever, it's bringing communities together, it's bringing families together to have a look at what's going on and sharing, sharing cultures from, from other places as well. I reckon that's important as well. Um, and, you know, we really shine the spotlight on communities and artists and, you know, which is a great feature of KIAF. You know, that's pretty much what we do. We profile arts and artists. And in terms of the, the spotlights on different communities, I know that today, for example, from 1pm to 2pm, there's a community spotlight on the Torres Strait Islands. Mm. That's, that's come about through a partnership that, we've got, that we have with um, the, the Torres Strait Regional Authority. Um, and we've got an MOU with them. And we've part, also partnered with Gatatui, which is a cultural centre based on um, Thursday Island. And so they've gone out and, through the funding of TSRA, have gone out and produced their own videos. Um, so there's, there's cooking demonstrations and dancing and um, artists just talking about their practice. Um, there's there's um, ukulele sessions, all sorts of things are happening in that Torres Strait Islander hour each day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and one of the other things that I know the that... Cairns Indigenous Art Fair is doing this year. Uh, this year is uh, the 250th anniversary of uh, Cook's voyage along the east coast of Australia, and a number of artists have responded to that uh, event uh, in the exhibition Undercurrents. Can you tell us a little bit more about that work, and uh, is that available to be viewed online? Yeah, that's actually it's a virtual gallery that was set up online, um, so people can jump on and um, have a look virtually. And there's also an e-commerce attached to that so they can actually buy the art from that particular um, exhibition. Um, I was surprised because 
I guess from the art fair itself and even just and even this exhibition undercurrents um, because of COVID it kind of just it really hit our communities bad our artists you know um, didn't quite know it's all that uncertainty and anxiety that happened um, with everybody I guess right across the world when COVID hit no one's quite sure what to do so I I was really um, Oh, I think we're really blessed that, that um, artists actually um, pulled, pulled out all stops and just went ahead and said, no, we're going to actually produce some work. Um, and the work is, is in undercurrents, is basically, basically their response to Cook and what they, what they think Cook symbolises in their lives and um, in their community. Do you think that by presenting the art fair online that in some ways that this is uh, a step forward for the for Kiev that you might consider doing in in future years i.e expanding the, the the kind of the footprint of the art fair exposing the work not only to a national audience but an international audience who may not otherwise be able to visit Cairns to attend the event yeah well that's that was always the plan that we could go out having a having a digital platform is, you know would have exposure to the world um, you know, of course nationally because um, not everybody can come to Cairns every year. Um, so this is an opportunity for everybody to, you know, to really embrace um, Queensland, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art and culture. Um, yeah, it's just been fantastic. We've had, a lot, we've had responses from, you know, we're getting emails from London and, and New York and Chicago and it's just been fab- fabulous <laughs> to, to get that kind of response. Now, one of the key events of Cairns Indigenous Art Fair each year is the fashion showcase of work by uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander designers. Uh, the uh, the showcase is happening tomorrow night, Friday, at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time, and people can, again, kind of uh, access that and other events at Cairns Indigenous Art Fair by going to 2020.kiaf.com.au. The theme this year for the fashion showcase water is sacred how have people interpreted this and what kind of imagery and what kind of garments and fashion can viewers expect (laughs) i can't give too much away (laughs) (laughs) oh come on just a hint (laughs) well it's basically um we had seven seven um we're showcasing seven designers work so we've got a how many we've got about 18 or something models um performing in that particular event um, so the way it was done, so each design, each, each designer come up with their own concept um, based on that water is sacred, based on water. Um, so, and the videos were shot all around Cairns, the beautiful, you know, um, gorgeous environment that we live in up here. Um, so it was, you know, they, 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 they made videos on the beach and in the rainforest and, you know, waterfalls. You'll see all sorts of things tomorrow night. Um, which will be fantastic for the Melbourne viewers and the Victorian um, viewers if they want to get jump on and have a look. And they could also, you know, it's live on Facebook, and then it'll it'll be um, it'll be uploaded to our 2020.kf.com.au website. If you miss out. So, streaming on Facebook tomorrow night, and then uh, as uh, Janina said, uh, go to www.ciaf.com.au to catch it afterwards. The Cairns Indigenous Art Fair is running through until the 23rd of August, and an opportunity for people not only to learn more about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture in Queensland, but to buy artwork. Uh, 
Julian, for people who perhaps have wanted to own original artworks but aren't yet kind of fully-fledged collectors, how kind of easy to navigate is the site and what advice would you give to people about buying work for the first time? Should they just go with their heart, for example, or should they kind of... uh, Because I know some people buy art more as a... a, in the same way that people, some people buy houses as an investment as opposed to for the, just for the aesthetic value of the art itself. I'm certainly always drawn to the aesthetics. But what's your advice for would-be art collectors? Yeah, no, go buy your heart because, you know, you're the one at the end that's got to, you know, put, have it in your house or, you know, wherever you've got to put it. Um, I reckon it's always good to go buy your heart. I mean, you know what? You, you, you shouldn't buy... Um, as an investment, if you're, you know, if you're a, a new to being a collector um, or new at buying art, just go with your heart. You know, I do that. So, you know, you kind of know what you like, I think. People know what they like and just go ahead and buy it if you've got the means to do it. So jump online, uh, 2020.ciaf, Cairns Indigenous Art Fair, ciaf.com.au. For more information, you can look at art online, you can look at community spotlights and the fashion parade happening tomorrow night from 7pm being live-streamed on Facebook. Cairns Indigenous Art Fair running through until the 23rd of August. I've been chatting with its artistic director, Janina Harding. Janina, thank you so much for joining us here at Triple R. Thanks for having me, Richard. Absolute pleasure. John McGuinness is the Chief Executive Officer of Geelong Arts Centre. The last time we spoke, it was about plans for reopening. Now, let's talk about live streaming instead. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, Richard. How are you going? I'm doing well, doing well. Always enjoy leaving the house for more than my mandated one hour of exercise coming to the station for three hours. It's a luxury, I have to say. You got, you got, you got your permit, so you're allowed to go in. Yeah, I have literally got my signed permit in case the police oh, yeah. pull me over. It's a very odd feeling going, I've been volunteering at Triple R since the 90s. I've never needed a piece yeah. of paper to show that that's what I actually do. But there we go. So, it's been very strange, I'd say travelling uh, from, you know, Geelong to Melbourne and back and getting stopped by the army and police and all of that, trying to trying to get art done. And it's, it's certainly been pretty unusual. It has, but art is still being done and being That's streamed. True. And the latest live streaming series that you're doing at Geelong Art Centre is really celebrating and recognising the talent of Geelong and the, the broader Bellerin Peninsula. Oh, look, absolutely. We've been we've been really excited uh, to keep the the live streaming going. Um, we've uh, you know it's one of those things that we really you know pivoted pretty quickly when in in the first uh, lockdown, and within a couple of weeks we were up and running live. And for us, it was really about getting uh, making sure that well, first and foremost, that our that our team had meaningful work, and uh, we've retrained as camera operators and live stream editors and uh, marketing team, all that sort of stuff. But also getting money directly to artists and making sure that artists stay connected both to our, our, us and our audiences but also that, that artists can afford to eat and that we can get money directly into artists' hands has been one of the other main reasons that we've been so passionate about our live streams. And the live streams are also a great way of strengthening connections with the existing audience for Geelong Art Centre to the remind to remind people that just because the doors are closed that doesn't mean yeah. art is no longer happening and it's also yeah. a way of making art more accessible as well because for some people mm. attending kind of a, a theatre production or a concert whatever it might be is often out of kind of out of reach for financial reasons for example so the fact that these events mm. are free they're accessible for people who 
who's kind of who perhaps for whom a disability issue means that they can't yeah. easily leave the house. So it, kind of, it really broadens and reach and uh, broadens the reach of uh, Geelong Art Centre mm-hmm. as well as supporting staff and as you've said supporting artists directly. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's been a couple of things on that. You know, there's the the demographic that we've shift that we've seen, which has been extraordinary. We've seen, you know, we have an amazing loyal subscriber base, and uh, um, you know, most of those, a lot of those people are in in their you know fifties and sixties. But we've seen, and the good thing, I guess, about one of the good things, if there is any in this part, but about being able to really look at the the data from from the live streams, is to go. There's a really even split across um, people in their twenties, people in their thirties, forties, and right across the age groups. It's a lot more even the people that we're seeing uh, dial, uh, dial in, tune in. And also um, seeing people I've been watching on the Facebook Live and people going, hi, I'm tuning in from Cornwall and I'm in Mumbai in India and I'm in Scotland. And it's been extraordinary to see, because we've been going, to, we, we've been partnering with Time Out Magazine and Visit Vic and um, all sorts of other things. We've been seeing people tune in from all over the globe. Um, and it's, there's, there's, so there is some upsides to all of this, I guess. That is fantastic that people are streaming in from all over the world. I was going to ask how on earth do people from Mumbai and elsewhere find out about it, but obviously uh, that partnership with Visit Vic and Time Out clearly then broadens the reach of Geelong Art Centre. Uh and through Fed Square and um, and others as well, and, and that's one thing that uh, you know I've really been interested to see um, some of the some of the take up from some you know it's quite mainstream um, media, but also um, for some pretty amazing um, partnerships um, in the online space, um, and also some of the coverage that we've been getting in you know the Age and so, and all sorts of other things about our, our live streams. Um, that when we were putting on an extraordinary show in Geelong uh, live, um, that we wouldn't be getting the, the same sort of coverage or the same kind of partnership. So there has been some, some really great strengthening of just, just reach and working in different ways, I guess. So what's coming up in terms of live streaming at Geelong Arts Centre? You've got events uh, kick, and more from tomorrow. Yeah, we've got um, Simon Gleeson and Natalie O'Donnell um, from um, Live in Your Lounge Room tomorrow at a Friday at 8pm. Um, so for people that don't know, Simon Gleeson and Natalie O'Donnell have starred in um, amazing musicals in Australia in the West End. Um, Simon Gleeson uh, is best known for playing Jean Valjean in Les Mis in, in the West End for many years. Uh, and uh, Natalie O'Donnell um, is in, uh, was in Mamma Mia, one of the leads in Mamma Mia. Both of those, both Simon and Natalie live in Geelong West and rather than being international uh, at the moment on, on contracts, which they usually are, uh, we're lucky enough to have them here in Geelong and they're going to do a beautiful evening of um, musical theatre tomorrow night. So that's really cool. And then uh, the following, uh, the Friday, sorry, the 28th, we have um, local... Um, uh, Lash 28, which is uh, their uh, indie indie band, and some really great um, live contemporary music as well. So um, on our website at geelongartscentre.org.au, there's a, there's a whole um, a range of really great stuff coming up. Um, and we've been seeing really... You know, changes from comedy to to live music to musical theatre to we've had we had uh, Jude Pearl and Michaela Berger and lots of lots of different um, mix of really great entertainment. So that's coming up from eight pm uh, in mm. successive Friday nights, kicking off as you said with Simon Gleeson and Natalie O'Donnell tomorrow, uh, yeah. Friday the twenty first at eight pm. Now, yeah, Joel, right. just before I let you go, as well as kind of mm. live streaming, Geelong Art Centre is also finding other ways to put money in the pockets of local yeah. artists. You've delivered, uh, what, the 
your creative engine program has delivered yeah. 1600 uh, in grants and in-kind support for local artists for example uh yeah so we've just we've just recently uh, launched this again so we we did a pilot project through creative engine which is uh, really about us supporting uh, artists to uh, pathways to professional practice and so we launched sixteen thousand dollars worth of grants um just last week uh and there's there's, there's all the details are on our website but we're really um wanting to at the moment we're focusing on how can we get as you said money to artist hands but we're going to support the artist with uh, with dollars but also access to space of course socially distanced and safe in our new yeah, our new studio spaces that we open in november but also as part of that as well we're also matching up those artists with uh, independent producer so we're um working with uh, the lovely erin milne and some other people to really support those artists that are coming through um for, with access to a professional producer as well. So what are the pathways? How do they want to develop their work? Their work? It's not always about getting it out um, onto the road, but it might be that they're wanting to get to their first professional um, production. They might be wanting to try and access additional funding. So it's really about supporting um, the ecology, you know, and, and a community of practice here in Geelong. Um, so there's numerous grants. Um, also, a couple of those grants are around live streaming as well. So we really want to support local community theatre companies that might want to do a live stream. We have the, the infrastructure here now and we have the, the know-how within our team. So... So there's a range of different grants um, called Creative Engine Grants also on the Geelong Arts Centre website uh, and people can have a look on there. We've got a, a panel and criteria around how people can uh, apply for those and one of the main criteria now is also around thoughtfulness. So we're really asking people, it's not always about an end product, but how do you, are you thinking well about yourselves? Are you thinking well about the world at this time? Uh, and, you, and how are you going to support um, both yourselves and your practice um, in these really challenging times that we're in? So for more detail about those grants and the opportunities that are available, jump online to the Geelong Art Centre website. And uh, that's uh, let's see, uh, just geelongartcentre.org.au. Uh, and uh, grants already supporting uh, the likes of uh, new works by uh, Ross Mueller, for example, the playwright, yeah. uh, Blink Dance Theatre, uh, and mm. artists Kit Brookman and Andre Jusen. Uh, now, one yeah. of the things that really intrigues me is, is about all the activity that Geelong Arts Centre is doing mm. is kind of directly stimulating and strengthening the, the cultural fabric, uh, the, the, the arts ecology, to use that over, overused phrase, yeah, of Geelong. What intrigues me is that mm. I, perhaps for, some, for a while there was perhaps a sense that artists in Geelong had to make the trek up to Melbourne in order to mm. develop their careers. That's clearly yeah. not the case. You're really focused on saying there are great artists here in Geelong, mm. let's work with them, let's assist them, let's strengthen their their options so that they can stage work in their hometown. Yeah, absolutely. And look, and that's been something that we've been focused on for, uh, you know, a couple of years now, particularly with the opening of our, our beautiful building, which is, is all about making spaces. There's a co-working space and four studios for making work. So we've really been focusing um, on supporting artists, supporting professional practice um, in, in Geelong and the, and the G21, the broader, the broader region. But certainly what um, COVID is, has done is actually really made that our key focus for now. So for the next two years, as we continue with 
our redevelopment, we're continually building performance spaces, we've got these great studios, we've got incredible talent, incredible artists here, and, and it's about work that has heart and soul and meaning and talks about this place and this time in our region, and that is absolutely what we're going to be focusing on because we can do it, um, we, have the, we have the ability to do it, and we have uh, you know, a, real, a real drive within our team to, to do that. So it's something that is a real upside, I guess, of all of the challenges of, of COVID-19 is that for the next couple of years, that's a real focus for us, supporting artists uh, and supporting you know, a community of practice here in Geelong. To find out more about the funding opportunities available, then you can uh, jump online, geelongartcentre.org.au. You can also watch the live-streamed events from this Friday, kicking off with Simon Gleeson and Natalie O'Donnell, live mm. in your lounge room from 8pm. The, the streaming events are free, but you, uh, I do encourage you to make a donation, large or small, to support Geelong Art Centre to continue to present these kind of experiences. You can also watch that live stream uh, via Facebook, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Geelong Art Centre forward slash live and uh, follow the conversation and, and kind of who knows where people will tune in from around the world this time around. Who knows? All over the place we hope and it's, yeah, it's been great. So it's been great to see it and we look forward to continuing it on uh, certainly over the next few months at least. And, and who knows, we're talking about live streams might become permanently uh, part of uh, when we put on a show here, we might always do a live stream uh, option so that people can tune in. It would be great if that does continue. It's certainly something yeah. that artists in the disability sector have been talking about the importance of, that at, at the moment yeah. there is so much more access for everybody to see live work that often mm. they do not have that access year-round. So fingers crossed that continues. John McGinnis, CEO of Geelong Art Centre, thanks so much for joining us on the program. Perfect. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Triple R's Smart Arts, a weekly radio show bringing news, reviews and interviews about the arts, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Thursday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. 